0: What's up guys, welcome into today's OBR Film Breakdown, and we have quite a bit to cover. So, I'm your host Jake Burns, and we took yesterday off, I took yesterday off, because sometimes in the summer, I'm just gonna take some days off here and there. Don't feel like doing it, you know, just gonna take a day off. Golf a little bit, maybe you saw the photo, had my son out playing some golf with me, he's Likes to be out in the golf course, nine holes. I was walking. He rode with his mom uh, and and uh, wanted to push the push cart a little bit here and there. Fun time, a uh, good time. You know, I get obsessed with golf. I haven't been obsessed with golf in a long time. I'm getting back into it, really enjoying it. So, um, yeah, just wanted to take a day off. I will do so here and there before the grind really starts. But I still try to get over 25 pods a month still on target for that. And today up is the offensive line. Now, I know all of you tune in to this show to hear me talk about the offensive line of the Cleveland Browns. We do shows that are built on people smarter than myself with the offensive line. Breaking these things down on Twitch. I think it's a visual position, obviously, because the details are very minute and you definitely don't see them on the TV view. That's why the coaches tape is so important. And when we talk about these guys... It's not something you can really get a guest for sometimes. A lot of the guys who break it down at a higher level are too preoccupied, too busy, and we just don't have a ton of information, right? So um, what I do is give you what I think from breaking them down, and then I will roll it into these predictions for next year and look at some of their salary cap numbers, look at some of their figures, and give you my general projections for what I think they're going to do. It's not easy to predict Uh, you know uh, seasons for these guys but we can talk through some of them but there are 18 total names on the cleveland browns roster right now along the offensive line center guard and tackle that's a significant amount of guys and obviously that number will dwindle and they'll keep 10 maybe 11 Uh, we'll see what they ultimately keep the new practice squad flexibility yields some some nice answers for offensive line injuries that's one of the great things about the expansion that we saw around COVID was this ability to bring players up and down from the practice squad and keep your offensive line bodies fresh. But yes, let's go one by one. We will do some AFC North rankings later. Uh, Probably the first week of training camp we'll get towards those and cover what I think the Browns are along their division opponents and how their positions rank across the board. We're not going to do much of that here. As you know, we've been going through position by position. We have covered everything on the offense except for the offensive line. I thought about breaking this into two pods, but I just didn't know if you guys could stomach two straight episodes of offensive line discussion. So we'll get it all done in one here. We're going to go relatively quick, but that's okay. You know, Compared to other episodes where we talk about you know, one guy or two guys, that's okay, we're going to talk about the offensive line and go through it and talk about age and numbers and some other things. Okay, We'll start with center. There are three listed centers, and I think it's important to understand that there are three listed centers, and we'll talk about that in a minute. The front-line player here is Nick Harris. He's clearly the guy projected to start. He's still young. He doesn't turn 24 until the 13th of November, so he'll play most of this season at 23. Now... Granted, experience limited. He only started and actually only played in one game last year at all. I believe JC Treder was on the COVID list and he played that game, started and did very well. He graded out really well on both sides of the football. I thought he gave Kenny Clark, who I think is one of the better defensive tackles in the NFL in Green Bay, a great game. He graded above 67 in run blocking, he graded above 75 in pass blocking. I thought he was very effective. His rookie year, he had 143 snaps, and those games were when he was playing guard, stepping in for Wyatt Teller, and that's just not a position I thought he was ready to play. Gave up two sacks, two hurries, four pressures. It was obvious those 143 snaps at right guard. He was just not a guard. But a center, I think he's more than capable of being a center. He showed it in uh, the preseason this last year where he played in two of the preseason's three games, thought he was very effective in those. And again, I think he's going to be a nice player for them. He might not immediately be J.C. Treader level of consistent, but the way he can move, his sneaky ability to anchor at only 6'1", just about 300, I think he's going to be a pretty good offensive lineman for the Browns. I'd be surprised if he wasn't at least pretty good. Okay. So he's on a rookie deal. He's on the second, sorry, he's on the third year of his rookie deal. I don't think he's going to cost entirely to, I mean, this is a big reason why you do this This is obviously a cost cutting situation, but he's only going to be carrying a cap number in 2022 of 973,000. It's very cheap. They, they won't get much from, uh, Cutting him, even if they did cut him, if something came to that, they would only save like right, I don't know, roughly six hundred and fifty thousand or so dollars. He's a lock to be on the roster in the next two years, obviously, um, and he's going to be the center. I, I think that some people will talk about our next guy having an opportunity, Ethan Pochich, who. Um, and again, his last name is pronounced a little differently. It could be Posich. It's it's different. I can't think of it off the top of my head. And I just don't have the mental capacity to look it up right now. He comes over from Seattle, where he played his first five seasons in the NFL. Has not really put together a quality graded season in his first three years. He was playing guard, ironically enough, splitting left guard, right guard duties. He got twenty twenty was his first chance to start at center, where he played 993 snaps, and then in 2021, he played 600 snaps, so he dealt with some banged-up injury issues, but he finally put together a decent season. He gave up two sacks, four hits, 12 pressures, uh, sorry, 12 hurries, 18 pressures, had a 76-run grade, the pass-blocking grade stuff, and I would agree, breaking down his tape, Not a very good pass blocker. and is indicative of a 43.8 mark he graded out there. But was okay between the balance of the two. Backup center. Fine with him being a backup center. I think it makes plenty of sense. Experience. Uh, He comes in 6'6", 320, so a bigger body. He's about to turn 27 at the start of August, August 5th. And, you know, I think he's a capable player. He's not going to make much. He's only on a one-year deal. His cap number is only 1.047, so very cheap. It is a locked-in deal, though. They they don't save anything by cutting him, so it, again, ton of sense. Unless he's terrible, terrible in preseason, he'll be your backup center. And again, I think that makes a lot of sense. The only other player they list, um, the Cleveland Browns website does as a center is Brock Hoffman, the Virginia Tech kid who was an undrafted free agent, and... He really, a three-year center. He did his sophomore year. He's a Coastal Carolinas, first two years, and transferred to Virginia Tech. He played center almost his entire Virginia Tech career. He did slide uh, in his second year, his most recent year in 2021, 62 snaps, at left guard, and 24 at right tackle, moving where he was needed. 6'3", 3'10", a little bit older, but, you know, as a potential practice squad guy, graded out really well in pass blocking especially in 2001 with marks above 80 uh, it looks like he had six times an 85.3 pass blocking grade which is again what you want to see so i think that he's not going to take the first two play unless he you know i can't say not with guarantees here guys Brock Hoffman could load up and just dominate the preseason in camp and they're going to figure out a way to keep the guy but the numbers just don't add up for keeping him unless he just blows it out of the water and you can never really project that for undrafted free agents. So to me, he's fighting for practice squad because the Cleveland Browns offensive line scenario is really, really stacked here. And again, we're talking about 18 guys across three positions. It's a lot of players and a lot of quality players, a lot of guys who have seen NFL snaps. So a guy like Brock Hoffman has a lot of uphill to do here to actually make the roster. So, not a not a potential roster guy in my opinion he's fighting for practice squad we'll see what happens in that scenario but again too just a reminder he's 23 years old entering the NFL nick harris has 2 years under his belt and will play a majority of the season in 23 so you can understand why the NFL's tilted toward players who are younger because you just get experience for these guys at this level and get a feel for who they are. So now we switch over to guard. So we'll start at the top of the list here with Joel Batonio. I mean, what do you say at this point about Joel? He turns 31 on October 11th, but the age has not slowed this guy down. I mean, he's he's... <laughs> He played two games at left tackle last year and graded out at ninety one five and an eighty two six with great grades across the board which just continued to light the fire of wanting to move him outside that's not gonna happen but it does speak to the greatness that this guy i mean you know you're talking about a guy going into his ninth year with the browns I mean unless I'm counting this wrong I'm looking at yeah, he's got eight seasons. He's going into year nine in Cleveland, and he's only getting better. He put up his best marks. Now, again, I I recognize pro football focus is not a perfect barometer for offensive line play, but they do watch every snap, and they do have a decent feel for good or bad. They might miss some plays here and there because they don't know assignment all the time or there's other little pieces of it, but for the most part, I'm, I'm comfortable with saying a player's quality is in place based on some of these marks, and Joel's just been phenomenal. And not to, again, major knock on wood here. He has been consistent as hell for, for uh, you know, you can at least say the last five years. In 2017, 1,068 snaps. 2018, 1,091. 2019, 1,037. 2020, 1,125. And then last year, he had the 983 at left guard and 123 at left tackle. He remains extremely healthy. He's playing really well. He was an all-pro caliber offensive lineman last year. I would fully expect him to do it again. He was rewarded with a contract extension that runs his contract out through 2025 essentially. He will hold a 14 point, sorry, a 6.6 cap number this year with a 14.6 cap number next year and 24 and 19.6 cap number and that's really to me he's locked in for 3 years potential for doing some maneuvering with his cap number conversions 25 it starts to make some sense he's 34 and the cap savings versus dead money does open up some opportunity but to the greater point here he's here for three years I fully expect Joel to have a nice three years think he's going to be a nice player hopefully he's not forced to play any left tackle this year but he's going to be among the NFL's best you switch over to his other side which is Wyatt Teller who signed his contract extension in the middle of last season fifth round pick in 2018 Browns traded for him from the Bills. Uh, I think they traded a sixth round pick for him. It was a sixth or seventh, can't totally remember. The Browns made a couple deals before the start of that 2019 season. So, he comes over in 2019, starts to get some reps, starts to get a feel for it by the end of the year, played 559 snaps. 2020, 825 and he really took off with that 92.3 grade highlight blocks. His pass blocking marks in 2020 were kind of under underplayed where he gave up 14 pressures, 3 sacks, 18 sorry 14 hurries and 18 pressures. It actually got better from an efficiency standpoint to to up the number to 70.4, but his, his offensive grade did go down cuz his run blocking slipped a little, which I would agree with. I thought the run blocking not quite as strong as it was the year before, but again, tumultuous setup here. There's some things that were off. We'll see if that that gets back on track. But even so, he's still a Pro Bowl caliber player at right guard. We know that. He put up five, looks like five games above 80 last year with two in the 90s. Still a highly efficient player. One of the best NFL offensive linemen at pulling in space and just handling whoever is in his way, whether that's a backer on power counter, a defensive end kick out, logging in pass Play action, pass concepts, blocking a corner or a safety, whoever fills the alley on some of those moving run schemes the Browns like to do with pin poles. He is so good. He's good at he's as good as anybody at that in the NFL. So we'll hope that his pass blocking efficiency continues to rise. A reminder, his number for this year is it seems a lot of players' cap numbers are on the smaller side with a 4.4 cap number is all he has, but it kicks in heavily in the coming years. Where his net his cap number in 2023 jumps to 15.4. In 2024, it jumps to 13.9. And then in 2025, just like Joel is the first time where his cap saving versus dead money becomes a feasible thing you could consider if at 31 you're ready to move on, is a 15.7 cap number that year. So both guards kind of locked into the same time frame, both guards extremely good and both guys that I fully expect to have great seasons for the Browns this year. So we'll hope that they can remain healthy. First up in the guard rotational is Michael Dunn. So Michael Dunn is, I think, a very good football player. They've been very high on him. Talked uh, Especially Bill Callahan, the offensive line coach, has talked as positively as they can. He is out of Maryland in the 2017 draft year. He was, in, he was a UDFA uh, originally with the Rams. 6'5", 300, he is 27, almost 28. He turns 28 August 28th, I think he's very good. He did not play a ton last year until the end of the year with Las Vegas and Green Bay because he dealt with a really weird back injury early in the year, which forced Blake Hans onto the field a bit more than I would have liked. Uh, but nonetheless, when he gets an opportunity, I think he's pretty good. His marks have been good. I was really impressed with him in the playoff game that he played before he got hurt in that wild card game against Pittsburgh. I continue to think he's going to be a nice player if he can find some health in a reserve interior role. He got snaps in the preseason at center last year and in training camp. I fully expect that to be the case again, just to keep his versatility open. He's a cheap player. He only comes in with a cap number this year of 895,000. They could cut him. There's no dead money tied to that. So while Pochic, his uh, Pojic's number comes in with a dead cap, this one doesn't. So that's protection that they don't have. And if the Browns start to pinch pennies, That's where a guy like Michael Dunn could be let go because he doesn't have any dead cap tied to his situation. But I think he's the best interior backup that they have personally. Now Blake Hans played a lot of snaps last year. He's the next guy up on this list. He played 643 snaps by far the most, you know, remember the original story of a guy named Blake showing up, uh, playing that late portion of the Pittsburgh playoff game. Um, He got 47 snaps last year with, with the Browns obviously tied to the playoff game and a little bit of that KC game. But, we know he was thrust into action last year, and it just—he's just not a tackle. I mean, he played 159 left tackle snaps and 464 right tackle snaps. I think he's an interior player. They list him as an interior player on the Browns' structure. Uh, he's out of Northwestern in 2019. He will turn 27 at the turn of the new year, so he's not even—he'll play this year at 26. He's a 111 birthday, so he'll play this year at 26. I think he's fine. To me, he's on the bubble. The pass blocking, four sacks, five hits, 22 hurries, 31 pressures given up last year. It's tough because, again, I don't think he's a tackle, so there's a little bit of gray area in what he really is. We'll see how much the Browns value him, especially given how much time he found on the field last year. But just like Dunn, Hans doesn't have any dead cap money tied to him, just a base salary of 825000 should he make the 53. So we will see both of those guys are experienced along the interior um and 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 I'm not listen I'm going to try my best with this one cuz I I've never been very good with pronunciation of his name and maybe the browns have something that I can reference here to get the name pronunciation a little bit more right but Yalti Frohol I I'm trying my best I have to imagine the h is uh is silent but uh, he came over from New England the Browns claimed him he has been around the NFL for a little bit now. He was a 19 draft year. He was a fourth-round pick from New England, Selection 118. He does not have any registered in his career snaps at the NFL level. So we don't have much to go on here. They claimed him. He reeks of practice squad to me. The contract is the same contract number that that uh, Dunn and Hans had but he seems like a guy they like for the practice squad. We'll see. He's 25. He turns 26. A lot of August birthdays on this group. Eight uh, The 20th of August, he turns 26, 65306. We'll see. I don't have much to talk about with him. I don't have much to reference. I think he's okay given uh, his draft position, and uh, I've seen some preseason marks that are fine, but I just don't have enough to go on there. They like him. I've heard them say positive things but not a lot to go on there. So wrapping up the guards here as we kind of wind down, there's a couple more. Dawson Deaton is next. Now they drafted him. He was labeled as a center, picked 247 this last year, 6'6", 306. He's 23, just turned 23 in May. He's played some guard. He played guard early in his Texas Tech career, but he's been a center the last three years and is graded out fine. Um, you know, a maximum number of pressures was 13 his sophomore year, but everything else was pretty good. I mean, the numbers were way down his junior year. He had two hits, no sacks given up, two hits, six hurries, eight pressures senior year, one sack, two hits, two hurries, five pressures. So the efficiency mark actually went up a little bit. We wrote up a film room. Corey, Cory Kenan did a good job writing up his film room. I think he's got some play strength issues. Also not the most athletic guy at the position, but I think the Browns see some things that they can get him with Callahan and continue to work on. And he could have a chance. And again, a young guy on a rookie contract, seventh round picks, there's not much tied to guarantees, but I think he's got a chance to be on the practice squad at minimum. That's my opinion. Another guy that they, they took that they've sort of been trying to hide out, but the injury designation stuff has happened here is drew Forbes. I feel like we've been talking about drew Forbes for a while. He was in that 19 draft, sixth round pick 189th selection. He's now 25 and a half, uh, pretty much going to play his whole year at 25. But is he going to play? He's been hurt a lot. Uh, He's not been able to stay healthy. His preseason marks this past year were pretty good, better than his first year in 19. He didn't play in 2020 because he was a uh, COVID. uh, He decided to sit out the year because of the COVID situation. So his 21 preseason, I thought, was better. He uh, put up some solid run performances. I thought he was nice uh, body positioning, hand usage in the run game, but he still struggled as a pass protector. He gave up a couple pressures, a hurry and a sack in the preseason. He gave up a sack in that second preseason game against the Giants. Drew Forbes it was like prod, prospect X or whatever coming out of the draft, like this unknown player that was written up. I think SI wrote it all up. I, I don't know, man. I don't like Drew Forbes as much as some people. I don't quite think he's as athletic as you need to be. It has not been able to set reset the way I would like to see interior players perform. He's okay. I just think that he entered in a situation where he could have found a roster spot in that 19-year when there was t- you know, tumult at the right guard position, but it's been anchored, and I just don't know how he finds his way onto the field for the Browns. Could be a late dart throw trade for somebody, but I don't even know if you have enough there really at all to make that trade. He's not going to cost them anything to move on from him. There's only an $84,000 dead cap hit and 852000 in cap savings. If he made the roster, it'd be a $937,000 cap number, so pretty cheap. I don't think it saves him either way. The next guard in closing out the position is the guy they claimed out of Carolina. The Panthers picked up David Moore out of Grambling State as a UDFA, moved on from him. A lot of people in the draft process really liked him. Six three three twenty, a real like, bowling ball strength guy. But athletically, he's pretty spry. But the preseason was uninspiring for him. He did not do as well as people hoped. The pass blocking was a gigantic issue, giving up hits and hurries and pressures. Uh, it just didn't look like he belonged. He's been on the practice squad. He continues to be a practice squad candidate. That's the best I can do on David Moore. I don't think he's going to matter to this year. Again, put a reminder, any of these guys could take a step. Things we don't see, practices, all of that, you never know. You really never know. So I figure David Moore to be a practice squad guy doesn't contain the overall skill set needed to play guard in the NFL, but we'll see. I, I do think he's a worthwhile project as a young player here. We'll get to tackles. We're going to talk about that group, quite a few names Okay, Jack Conklin is the big one that returns here, right? We didn't know if Conklin would be back. The Browns decided to bring him back. Uh he, he obviously had the massive knee injury, which is scary to everybody. He seems to be on the right track to be back. He played only three hundred and sixty one snaps last year, had the elbow injury initially, and then uh later in that Pittsburgh or sorry, the Baltimore game, he came back week twelve and had the knee injury. So pretty serious stuff to important parts of your body. But we know who Jack Conklin is when he's healthy. I mean, he's this fantastic zone run blocker can do the gap scheme stuff, can get out and pull in space if they want to use him in that variety of pin pull stuff. Uh, some pass blocking issues throughout his career, not as consistent, a little, a little more up and down than you would like, but still an effective pass blocker in the NFL. He's a two time all pro player. It was again, reminder, you know, this he was in that 16 NFL draft, the Titans jumped up and took him. Selection 8, 66, He's going to turn, again, another August offensive line birthday. He'll turn 28 and play this year at 28. But throughout his career, he's graded really strongly. And people are, you know, he's always hurt. but He's only been hurt two years, 2018 and 2021. He's played four very healthy seasons. His first two in Tennessee, his last in Tennessee, and his first in Cleveland were very healthy. We'll see when he comes back, but when he does... I mean, I, there's a lot to like about Jack Conklin as your right tackle. He's a fine player. They they set him up to basically be on a one-year deal. They're not going to cut him. There's a $17 million dead cap number there. I don't know how they'll work anything beyond this. The two sides could come to an agreement for the foreseeable future if he comes back healthy and plays well. He has a cap number of $11 million this year, $8 million guaranteed, a $3 million pro-rated bonus. I don't know what the future holds, but we at least know he's here this year. We'll hope Jack comes back healthy because just a fantastic player when he's playing well. I mean, he's not perfect, but he's really good. Jedrick Wills is your left tackle now. Corey Kennan just wrote up a great piece about it's a prove-it year for Jed. It's year three. The pass-blocking numbers are great. For a 77.6 his rookie year, he is a a very athletically gifted and sneaky strong Football player. He's still so young. He just in May turned 23. He gave up 28 pressures, 19 hurries, four hits, five sacks last year after only giving up 20 pressures and 11 hurries in his rookie year, five hits and four sacks. So his efficiency went down from a 97.7 to a 96. The grade dipped. He had a beat up ankle, but you hold it, you gotta hold guys accountable. If you want to hold the quarterback accountable for injuries, you gotta hold the tackle accountable. If you're gonna be on the field, you have to perform. I did not think Jed was a disaster last year. I actually think he got much better as a run blocker. Understanding body positioning and zone, understanding the right direction you have to take and where to shift lean and put the hands on power schemes where you're blocking down. I thought he got better. I really did. He played quite a few snaps after that gnarly injury at 763 snaps last year, which is pretty good considering uh, the ankle injury he suffered there week one. So, listen, it's a prove-it-year for him. I think the range of outcomes for Jed, the basement, is this player we see now, which I think is good enough to keep around as a left tackle. The ceiling, if he keeps getting better at the young age of 23, if he keeps getting better, can finish plays. Stop not finishing plays. Finish through the whistle, man. If he can do that, stop helmet camming it is the old phrase. He can be a really great offensive tackle. There's a ton of potential for Jed to be a very, very good football player. And I think he's good. Let's see him get better. I think it's in there. I think he can get there. I'm very excited to see what Jed can do. And we'll see what quarterback he ends up playing with. But nonetheless, uh should be, should be a good year for Jed. And it's a prove-it year because they got to make a decision on fifth-year options. You start talking about extensions. Everything's on the table it's, He's young It's a lot of pressure for age 23 But that's that's how it goes man um, Obviously On his rookie deal His cap number this year in 22 is 5.3 There's not going to be any decision. He's going to stay here through Through 23 and probably be a Fifth year option guy into 2024 So he'll be here for three years His like I said 5.3 cap number this year 6.2 cap number the next That's, that's cheap So Uh, We'll see what the fifth-year option looks like, which will be a lot more. But for now, we'll hold off on that projection-wise. But he's not going to make a ton of money the next two years. You need him to play well. Chris Hubbard comes back. Another little bit of a surprise. Thought they might let him go and go get somebody a little bit more sustainably healthy. Hubbard, over the last two years, 290 snaps in 2020 and 39 in 2021, has suffered some season-ending injuries. When he plays, like his first year in Cleveland, He's a useful player. He can play inside or out. He can step in at guard. That first year in Cleveland, he had 224 right guard snaps. His right tackle snaps uh, in 2019 and 2018, there's 846, 1,089. He was a starter. He can do a bunch of different things. He's a nice swing player in terms of inside-out flexibility, but he's got to stay healthy. That's the biggest thing for Chris is finding health. When he's healthy, he can be a useful player, not a great player, better pass blocker, significantly better pass blocker than run blocker. But uh, you know, there's value in that in the modern NFL guy can, can pass block. You can work around some of the run game efficiencies, deficiencies, especially when you have guys like Nick and Kareem who can make, and even, you know, I shouldn't leave out, um, you know, Dearness Johnson, guys who can create rushing yards over expected. They can help your offensive line. So, I think Chris was a worthwhile keep around for a year. He's going to make the roster because there's no savings if he doesn't. It's actually a 2.6 dead cap number if he doesn't make the roster, so he's locked in. It's a 1.2 cap number for this year is what he'll carry. He has a 2.4 guaranteed salary and $152,000 prorated bonus. He's on. He's going to be there. James Hudson also going to be there. As a rookie, 303 very valuable snaps for a young player. In May, just turned 23. Same age as Jedrick Wills, very young, moldable, got better as the season went on, put together his best performances. Whether you want to believe it or not, his Week 17 performance, not as bad as you think. The onus falls on somebody else that doesn't want to take onus for those things. But then I thought his Week 18 was even better. So I'm encouraged. 282 right tackle snaps, 21 left tackle snaps. If he can continue to grow this year through, through practices, some game reps, he has every opportunity to entrust himself with the Browns coaching staff to take over the right tackle job, much like Nick Harris has done to be the starting center after they moved on from Treader. So if they move on from Conklin at the end of this upcoming season, he's your 2023 right tackle. Makes sense to me. He was a fourth round pick, pick 111 and 21. We all know he came from Cincinnati, He's 6'5", 3'10", plays bully ball. When he's confident, knows what he's doing, where is he supposed to be? Like that Week 18 game was really fun to break down, and he had some fun reps in the Baltimore game Week 14. He is, uh, he's, he's a good player. He's a good athlete. We'll see if he can get the minute details of the position down, some of the set reset, not getting too top-heavy and leaning once he hits the top of his kick-step drop uh, pass, uh, pass set there. But I think he's got every opportunity through skill and... Just the best coaching available to be a guy. And he's athletic enough to play in this system, too. So I like James Hudson. I like that he's getting another year of development, too. So they brought back Alex Taylor, South Carolina State kid. Came out in 2020. He was a UDFA with the Browns. I like him. He's long, man. 6'9", 294 list. He just turned 25. I don't know what the future holds with him, but his preseason in 21, Jacksonville and the Giants very encouraging to me i really liked him and he had some strong numbers across the board i think there's something here with alex taylor i think he was an injury designation last year i hope they can figure something there's a really i think there's a good football player in this guy it's just a matter of keeping him healthy and 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 he's a dark horse right tackle player okay to me Played left tackle in the preseason this last year, but in terms of looking at somebody to take over right tackle, dark horse player, I think he's a dark horse make the roster guy, too. We'll see if he's as strong in the preseason in camp, but I just I really like him, man. He's so athletic and he's effortless, very gifted in the in the athletic portions of the kick step, drop stuff, can deliver a powerful punch, long arms, exactly what you're looking for. I've got some 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 hope on. Alex Taylor there. He's only an $825,000 cap number this year if they do keep him. Other guys on the roster, the last UDFA is Ben Petrula from Boston College. He was a five-year college player at Boston College. Predominantly right tackle. He did play right guard in 2020, but moved back to right tackle in 2021. He Actually, this is an interesting career. He started at center as a freshman and then played... 2018 and 2019 predominantly over 800 snaps at right tackle then played right guard must have taken advantage of the COVID situation and got an extra year and got 741 right tackle snaps talk about a guy with a diverse amount of snaps I mean he's been all over the place he put together his best season this past season with some solid marks I have not spent a ton of time looking at him we'll see if he's as good as the diversity and position stuff can help for you. They, they, they gave him, I believe they gave him the most money of any UDFA, which is a bit surprising. I mean, he comes into this thing, uh, is, a, is listed again as a, as a tackle. So I think that's a little surprising to me. I thought he would be a guy that they would move inside, but he's 23. He's not that old. He probably turns 24. They don't have a listed age or sorry, date of birth here and PFF. So he probably turns 24 relatively soon based on how many years he played in college, but there could be something here. We'll keep a close eye out in the training camp and preseason see if there's anything noteworthy. 6'5", 314, he'll get a chance. And then the last one is Elijah, uh, I think you dropped that in there in pronunciation, Elijah Kansa. So he is from he came from Toledo. It was a 2018 UDFA to the Titans. He only has been in the NFL on practice squads. He did get one chance. To play, I believe, in 2018. The Seahawks had him active for a game or two. And I think he got like eight snaps uh, as a special teams player. One snap as a uh, pulling guard on an extra offensive lineman goal line situation. So, not a ton to go on here. A guy we'll have to watch in the preseason and in camp. And see if there's anything noteworthy here. Only $705,000 cap number if you made the roster right now according to over the cap. All those numbers were according to over the cap. That's eighteen. Offensive line uh, players for the Browns we discussed in some form or fashion. And you expect, listen, collectively, if Conklin can come back healthy, you really do expect this group to be pretty damn good again. There's no excuse for them not to be good, even with Nick Harris stepping in as center, because they have Hubbard, they have Dunn, they have hands, they have J- uh, James Hudson. They have so many pieces behind their first five, and even a guy like Potish, who, who is a an experienced backup center. And they do have some 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 talented extra players like fringe guys, practice squad guys, Alex Taylor, those types of guys who can uh, maybe, like Petrula as a UDFA, make the practice squad and eventually have a future with the Browns. We'll see what that looks like, but for now, there's a ton of talent. You should be excited about this offensive line. should be every bit of a top-five offensive line in the NFL. Again, the Browns have invested in it. And it is paid dividends, and we'll see what quarterback gets to uh, play behind that offensive line. But it could be a group that we see the Browns' run game start to become a really big factor because they just have to. They have to rely on them to run the football ton. They're willing and able, so we'll see what direction they go, willing and able to do both facets. So... Should be a fun offensive line breakdown year. Again, we'll continue to do that with Kyle Murphy. Should he be willing to give us time? I hope so, because those were fun on Twitch. Speaking of Twitch, we will have the Thursday night Ask the OBR show, myself and Andrew Spade. Check that out. Some good content up on the OBR website throughout the day, including, like I said, the piece on Jed from Corey Um, Kennan. Check that piece out. That was really good and worth your time, and we'll have some good stuff up tomorrow. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Hopefully you didn't get too bored from the offensive line discussion, but there's 18 guys you should know about going into preseason and training camp and all that stuff. So now you know who they are, you know a little bit about their past performances and we have projected this thing forward and we'll do 53 man roster projections as we get closer to training camp and all that stuff. I'm not going to tell you who's getting cut and not because I have to evaluate some things before I make those predictions and uh, it's always a nice thing to be able to see some of these guys actually play football before telling you who you think is going to make the roster. There's some there's some obvious ones here. We pointed those out simply via contract. But there's some fringe guys between the Hanson, Dunn, and and um, a couple others that are going to be fighting. Uh, for for that 8th, ninth, 10th offensive lineman role. So we'll have plenty to break down when the time comes. Thanks for checking out today's episode on a Thursday and for supporting the OBR guys. Have a great day and go Browns!